pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth, and your presence in this place. We love you and praise you. I pray, Lord, that you will just release your spirit in greater measure than we've ever, ever experienced before. Every person in this place would have a heart that hunger and thirst after righteousness, a, a heart who's open to your presence and what you're doing uh, in their lives and also in the earth today. We pray for these that need healing. We pray for Alice and her healing also. And thank you for the provision of the ramp. We pray for uh, Thanksgiving for Ellen and also for, uh, for Betty, for Jim Nelson, for Phil. And also uh, we pray that you would uh, uh, thank you for the family here with Rosemary, her family. What a blessing they are to us. Bless them richly, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Betty's better and she gives thanks for the provision of transportation. We thank you, Lord, uh, for the Robinson family. We thank you, Jeanette, is better. Thank you, Lord, and pray for a special move of your spirit in Don's life, Lord, also. Touch him and move. Thank you for getting those kids out of, uh, out of that cave over in Thailand. We pray. All the people. We just pray, Father, you bring this family, this country together in the bond of love and, and what you desire to do because you're doing great things. And we believe, Lord, today that you truly, in the midst of... of just drawing people to your presence, to yourself. We pray for the, uh, the Newell family and the Bow family and the loss that they've experienced. We pray, Lord, for comfort and peace. We pray for Joanne. Pray for healing there. Also for Susan, that you would bring healing in her life. And we speak that right now to these that are in need. We pray for those that are <clears throat> in the heat. Pray for just protection. Also for the hearing that uh, Patsy and and David will be going through. We thank you for Shelby and Cynthia. Bring healing. Bring healing and touch Rhonda. And dear God, today just cover her and her family in the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for um, Mrs. Llewellyn. We pray that you would move in her life. <clears throat> and also, Lord, you would draw her to you. May we know the security we have in Jesus because he loves us. Lord, he first loved us. This is what we say with all confidence as we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll just look at a few verses here, but I want to talk about the conditioning in discipleship. In my walk with the Lord, I, I just have always been convicted that it's more than just conversion. If you're here today and you know Jesus, you've accepted Jesus in your life, you are saved. We talked about last week that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The devil will try to condemn you, but he can't. He will speak those things, and uh, we only, obviously, he only has the power that we give him. He has no power over us. But if we allow him to, to put thoughts in our minds that somehow we're condemned, uh, then he obviously has won a battle. Not the victory, because Jesus has won the victory, but he has won a battle. So that therefore, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. None. Now, you may do something that you know is wrong, and you may, you may sin, certainly, but it doesn't condemn you. And what, the, what you do is you come before the Lord and confess that sin before Him, and the Bible says He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But going beyond just the conversion, if you've been born again in here, I want to tell you, it's reason to celebrate. Reason to give thanks to the Lord because it was all amazing grace. It wasn't anything you deserved. It, you, we, don't, we deserve damnation. And so by His mercy and His grace, 
as we know, he reached out and he revealed himself to us and we bowed our hearts and bowed our knees and we said, Jesus, come into my life and save me and be my Lord and Savior. Isn't that good news? Because he first loved us and how we love him. But it's because he initiated this. But going beyond conversion is discipleship. I want to talk about that today because I believe, obviously, we know the passage in Matthew uh, that says that, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, and lo, I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the world. He said, go and make disciples. Now, Paul, obviously, is teaching us. You want to be a disciple today, you're in for, obviously, some some real pertinent truths from the Word of God. We'll just look here at the end of, um, uh, of the chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 24 to the end. Do you not know that all those who run in a race run, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Everyone who strives for the prize exercises self-control in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible or a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible one. So therefore I run not with uncertainty, so I fight not as one who beats the air, but I bring and keep my body under subjection, lest when preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Another translation is be a, a, a castaway. What he's talking about here is actually how we are <clears throat> the focus on this race that we're in. And we're in a race, aren't we? We think, well, if we get saved, obviously I've got my ticket to heaven, and when that heavenly train comes by, I'm going to give the conductor, Jesus, my ticket, and then I'm going to heaven. And yes, you will. But there's more to the Christian life than just being converted. There is discipleship. It's one of the things that I've been convicted of. It is discipleship. So how do you, obviously, run this race that we're in? You know, And sometimes Paul is talking about you've got to run the race to obtain the prize. Remember, there's not just one prize. It's for anyone who will run the race, get in the race, discipline yourself to follow Jesus. We talked about in Sunday school, the priority in our lives is to serve the Lord, to live out what he's called us to do. You know, when we're on our deathbeds, we'll look back and say, did I do what I believe God called me to do? And when you live in that particular manner, there'll be less regrets that you have. And so Paul is teaching us here that obviously we are called to be disciples. And discipleship is not for the faint of heart or unprepared. Because being a genuine follower of Christ requires commitment, sacrifice, and also preparation. And our Christian journey is never referred to as a life of ease, but often a battle in which we're engaged. How many of you in here to know, and you raise your hand, that we are in a spiritual war each and every day, when we obviously every day, right? It's a spiritual war that we're in. The devil wants you to follow him. And the struggle is actually to follow Jesus. Jesus is there. He's already triumphed because of the cross and the grave. He was resurrected. 
But many times we obviously fall on the side of our enemy when God is saying, I have given you the victory. Now walk in it. But to walk in that victory the way Jesus desires is that we must realize that we must become disciples. He had the 12 disciples that followed him. They were, I always say, a motley crew of guys, right? They were from all types of, uh, all, all corners of, of their walk and their professions and their backgrounds and so forth. And yet Jesus went out and he said, uh, you know, leave your family and follow me. Jesus must be first place in our lives if we are obviously going to be successful and go through this life victorious. We can't have other things jockeying for a place in our hearts, material things or, or maybe sometimes the, the things that the world has to offer. We must put Jesus as first place. And to be able to do that, we've got to realize that we're called to discipleship. We're called to be a disciple here. And so Paul understood the struggles of discipleship and the conditioning that required to be successful here. And we're talking about here, we obviously are used as a competitive race, Paul does, to illustrate the believer's walk and conditioning and preparation to endure to the finish of the race. And we're engaged in it for Christ Jesus. So the first thing that we look at here, I want to look at is the ambition required. And the Bible says in verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but only one receives the prize. Remember, again, I'm telling you, it's not just one prize. <clears throat> and so you're not competing with other believers. You're in this race, and it's called life, discipleship. And you're obviously competing actually with yourself in that way. But it must be, and you must have, and I must have a disciplined life you and I must be focused upon Jesus Christ in our lives. He has to be first place in our lives. He has to be Lord. And many times Christians today will, con will uh, be converted and they will give their hearts to Jesus, but they've never made him Lord of their lives. If that be you here today, today may be the day you said, I don't want to play this so-called Christianity anymore. I want to get serious about it. And when that happens because the Spirit of God is somehow stirring in your heart that I want to get serious about my walk with Jesus. I'm getting older and I don't know when God will call me home. If that's you today, let me tell you, open your heart to what God wants to do. Because it's not about just going through the motions. It's not about just coming to church, although these are great things. It's not about doing this or saying a prayer every now and then. It's about a day-to-day -day walk with Jesus. Discipleship. And it takes preparation. It takes discipline. And Paul knew that here. Obviously, we can't expect to be effective disciples if we're not engaged in the service to the Lord. Simply being aware of people who need the Lord or those who need someone to come alongside and in support is never enough. We'll never become devoted disciples of Christ if we are not following Him, actively walking with the Lord and pursuing His will for our lives. The question is, that I have to ask myself, and maybe you do also, is whose will do I want? That I want my will in this life? Or do I want God's will in my life? Which one? We are obviously confronted with this on a regular basis. We're confronted, do you want God's will in your life? Or do you want what you want? And I'm going to get what I want. You know? 
all these advertisements and says, go for all the gusto in life, you know, and do this and go for the pleasures and whatever makes you feel good, then do it and so forth. That's not what the Bible says. We're not here for these things that are worldly. We're here to do the will of God here. And there's a prize that's there. It's that prize that Paul talks about here. We're running here because one day the Bible says that we will face God. We won't face God in the great white throne judgment if you're a believer and you've been saved. Because those who have rejected Christ will stand before Jesus, God Almighty, and and it's called the great white throne of judgment, and they will be judged. And they will have to give an account of their lives. And when they come, and maybe God will ask this question, what did you do with my son? And when they say, then I rejected him, because at that point it's too late. And God will cast them out into utter darkness at that point. We will not face that if you're saved. That is the blessed assurance that Jesus is ours that we sing about in that old hymn. But let me tell you, if you come and you, you serve, you, you, you've been born again, you and I, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, is that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account of what we did with the gifts and the talents and what, I, what we did with the time that we obviously spent on this earth. Did we fulfill our calling? Did we fulfill, obviously, our destiny? Did we fulfill our purpose in this life? We will give an account. Now, remember this. We will not be thrown out into outer darkness because we're saved. We're going to heaven. But you and I will stand before Jesus Christ and we'll look into his face and we'll look into his eyes. Will you be able to say that I've done what God called me to do? Were you disciples? Did you give your heart and life to Jesus fully? You know, in a church this side, we have many people who work in this church, and they work, I mean, hard. And and there's a great, great service at Lighthouse Fellowship, even the size that we are, that God does. But many times in churches, only a small percentage of the people do anything to service of the Lord in the local assembly. Usually it's just a few people that are doing most of the work and so forth. God calls you and I to use the abilities that we have, to use the gifts that we have, and get out and be disciples. Put, obviously, uh, your feet to what you know to be true because time is fleeting. You know, I don't know when Jesus will come back. I've always said, I do not know. The Bible says no man knows except the Father. But I know one thing, something's happening. Y'all seen this? Something's going on around us. There are people killing one another. There's more hate out there instead of loving one another. There's more just because you look a certain way. Somebody comes up and blows you away. Something's going on. And maybe the devil who calls these people to do that, maybe he knows that maybe his time is short. Maybe he's got an inkling that things are happening in believers' lives that change and turn the world upside down. You see, that's what's happening today. But you and I have got to get ready and you and I have got to be prepared here because there's a prize that we obviously will take when we stand before the Lord here. You know, we are running the same race, yet it's possible for every believer to obtain a prize. Is that what's on your heart today? Do you realize that I'm not talking up a lot of stuff of mumbo-jumbo up here? I'm talking about the truth from the Word of God. 
Our walk with Jesus is serious. And God says, I give, I'll give you grace. And I'll, I, obviously, you can't earn it, but I want to help you through this. But I'm calling you to be my disciples today. He says, leave everything behind. Don't stop loving them. But Jesus Christ has to be first in my life and your life, or we will never do what we're called to do. So what is the eternal prize? The first thing is, is that obviously we glorify the Lord in our obedience. We glorify Him. We give Him the glory. When you're obedient to the Lord and nobody's watching, when you do the right thing and you know nobody may ever, not, never see you do it, but when you do the right thing, what do you do? What happens? You glorify God. You are obviously witnessing for the Lord. You're doing something that a lot of people today are not doing. The second thing is you're doing is obviously we have the opportunity to win people over to receive Jesus Christ into their lives. The third thing is we've got the privilege of investing in fellow believers and strengthening the body of Christ. You see, I, again, I'll say you're not here by accident. You haven't decided to just come to church. You're here because God's got something for you. He's doing something in your life. You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here if he wasn't doing something in my life. I wouldn't be able to stand up before you with the conviction in my heart if he wasn't doing something in Jim's life. I wouldn't. And so we're here. There's a divine purpose higher than what we could ever, ever grasp that God wants for you and for me. And it's blessings galore if we'll pay attention and we'll walk with Jesus here. So how do you obtain it? You obviously, uh, many people just fail to even enter the race. People obviously uh, are not seeking an eternal prize here. They're, they're sending, they're sometimes seeking the temporal pleasures. It only lasts. And what it says here, and they get a corruptible crown. You know, a crown that's, that's corruptible is a crown that a tarnish. It, it, it eventually fade over time and, you know, it, it will lose its appeal over time. But here it says, you're actually running for a prize that is incorruptible. No one can take that away. And when you stand before Jesus, will you be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your inheritance. Will you be able to say that when you stand before Him? Because all people will stand before Him. Believers. And give an account. What you do with what you've got and what He's given you. They're all gifts. They're not anything I can earn. But am I doing that? Now, when I preach to you, I preach to myself. Trust me. I spur myself on because of that. Paul is telling us, but, you know, it has to be that you want God's will more than you want your own. But he talks about every man strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. It reveals the determination and discipline commitment of every serious runner. Striving here literally means of being in agony, pushing until exhausted. In other words, he is given the illustration like a runner. And I still, by the grace of God, I run every day, okay? I don't run as fast as I used to. I run a lot slower than I used to. Thank God that I'm able to do it. I like it. I have been running since about high school. And again, I, I don't run as far as I used to, and I don't run as fast as what I used to. But let me tell you, you get out on a morning, even in the morning, it's already 80 degrees. The humidity, I'm sure, is close to 100%. I come home, and I'm soaking wet. And so by the time I come back to the house, I'm basically just what it's saying here. I'm in agony. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm like, boy, but I'm running. I'm determined. 
I'm, I'm determined to run this race. And it's the same way, an illustration of how we should run our spiritual life with Jesus Christ. We need to be determined. We need to be focused. We can't get involved with the things of the world, although they may not be bad in one way or another. We've got our sights set on so many things, making more money. Nothing wrong with making money. There's nothing wrong with working, and we need to work. But it means that our focus and priority has to be Jesus. We were in Luby's the other night, Cindy and I, and uh, it's, Luby's is a good little ways from our house and our neighborhood, and I noticed coming down the line, the guy coming in was a neighbor way up in the front of our subdivision that when I run, I run by his house, and he's been outside several times, and I've stopped and talked to him. His name is Jim also, so we've been talking and all and stuff, and I told Cindy, I said, I'm going to go over and talk to him a little bit and just tell him, see how he's doing and stuff. And so I sat down. His, his house flooded also. So, you know, we had that, obviously, that uh, uh, same thing that happened. And I sat down and asked him how he was doing. And uh, he, I said, I'm Jim Barcliffe, and I know you're Jim. And all you remember, I run in the neighborhood. He goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, I do. And he goes, you look different. you got clothes on. I said, I know. I have my running shorts on and a T-shirt. I look different. Okay. And, uh, but... I, I think, think about it in terms of you got to be determined. You know what? Many mornings I'll get up and I'll get my coffee. I love coffee. I'll sit there and I'll go, man, I don't want to get out in this heat. I don't want to run today. It can only be just better just to sit back in my, my lounge chair and just relax. The same way with our Christian life. Many times we don't want to get out of our chair, do we? We don't want to get up and do something for the Lord. We don't want to obviously say, Lord, I, I offer my life to you today. I just ask you to take me as I am and use me. We don't want to do that. But to be a disciple of Jesus, we've got to do it. We've got to do it. Time is short, folks. Jesus could come back at any time. And whatever's happened to today, the only thing that you'll take to heaven with you is your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not going to take any material thing. You know, I don't have much to begin with. God's blessed me. God's blessed you because you're here. And yet, we know we don't take it with us. Jesus is the only one at relationship here. Paul is saying, we got to get serious. He's saying here, we need to obviously discipline ourselves. We've got to be active in the service to the Lord daily. We've got to feed upon the word of God. We've got to pray. We've got to seek him. We talked on prayer in Sunday school today. And I said, you guys, I said, let's just let's talk about it in really simple terms and not bite off too much more than what we can chew is just start with short times before the Lord and pray to him and ask God to, to touch you, touch your cover, your family. You see, I want protection for my family. I want provision for my family. I want God to move in the hearts of those that they may know uh, Jesus like he would want them to know him. I, I pray for those things. And I pray for the church. I pray for covering. I pray for the blood of Jesus to cover this church. I pray for the blood of Jesus to cover the families in this church. We need to spend that. And it doesn't take that long just to spend that time. But when you begin to get into the presence of God, you're not going to want to leave eventually. But that's God's grace that's working. But we've got to pray. You want to be a disciple of the Lord? Then pray here. You know, a lot of times, little value or emphasis is placed on serving the Lord today in our day. Few see the importance of life lived for Christ. Paul assures us that the commitment to the Lord holds eternal value. 
the pleasures and compensations of life will eventually fade, but genuine of genuine disciple has the potential to gain an incorruptible crown, an eternal reward in heaven. We have the privilege of sharing the gospel of Jesus with the unsaved. We have the honor of serving the Lord and investing in our lives and fellow believers. And these acts bring satisfaction to the believer in this life and an eternal reward in heaven. My reward is not here on this earth, okay? My reward is not here. When I was working manufacturing, I, you know, uh, everything changed when I gave my heart to the Lord. But I never skipped the beat. God has always provided for me when I gave. When I put Jesus as Lord over my life, and when I began to give back to Him what I know is rightfully His, then God began to pour His blessings upon my life, and He'll do the same for you. He's not a respecter of persons, and He loved us first. And so when you give your heart to Jesus, He has obviously blessings and and all these things today. Obviously, Paul says in 2 Timothy, listen to this, he's getting ready to die. And he said this, he said, I fought the good fight, I finished my course, and I have kept the faith. You know, we are all going to die. We're all obviously headed that way, right? When we were born, we're actually moving towards death, really, you know, in that way. Time is short here. Can keep in mind, don't think, don't live thinking only of today because obviously these momentary things will not matter when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that will make any difference is your relationship. And did you fulfill what God called you to do in his life? There's nothing else will make any difference. And if you and I keep the future in mind and the afterlife in mind and all of that in mind, and where are we going to wind up? First of all, saved because we don't want to be cast out into utter darkness. But certainly when we stand before him and you look in his eyes and say, did you fulfill what I called you to do? It's the only thing that will matter. I want him to say to me, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your inheritance. You'll hear that or else you won't. You see, again, we stand before that judgment scene. The Bible says, you know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, though outwardly, we're wasting away. How many of you know you're you're wasting away outwardly, right? Can you raise your hand? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. You're wasting away, right? My body, I looked at myself this morning after my shower and went, oh my goodness, turn the lights out. Things are changing, all right? And I went, oh, my goodness. When I was young, when I was 20, I had a physique. I had muscles and all that. It was never really just a real strong body. I was, I was you know, I had muscles and all this stuff. I'm getting weaker. I'm not as strong as I used to be. Can't lift the weights like I used to and so forth. All this stuff, let me tell you. Though outwardly, you're wasting away. But the Bible says inwardly, you're being renewed day by day. How many of you know you're being strengthened day by day? Amen? He says that. He says, though, outwardly you're wasting away, yet inwardly you're being renewed day by day. And then he says, for these light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs all those things we've been talking about. And so, in other words, that he's saying here, every, and you say, well, my afflictions haven't been light, Jim as far as I can see. My afflictions have been horrible. But according to what God says, and the temporary state that we're here, and the short time we're on this earth, they are temporary. 
I'm talking about the eternal aspect of life. You will be either in the presence of Jesus for the rest of your, throughout eternity, or you'll be in that other place. There's no other in-between thing. There's not somehow, you know, uh, what is that, monopoly, stop and don't pass, go, and so forth. No, you're going to one or the other the last time you, when you take your last breath. He said, so we keep our eyes on those things that, that are not seen. Are those things that are seen? We don't keep our eyes on those that are that are seen, but those things that are unseen. For those things that are seen are temporary, but those things that are unseen are eternal. So we keep our eyes upon those things that are not seen, because they are last forever and ever and ever. You know, where's our priority? Where's my priority? When the going gets tough. Y'all know better than I do because all of you have gone through so much more than I have. But where is your, where is, what, are you, what are you looking at? Where's your eyes here? Obviously, what made Paul press ahead when he was being assaulted? Because Paul kept his eyes on the eternal part of life. He realized this is not our home. This is a temporary place. We're just passing through. We're pilgrims. We're moving through. It's very temporary. Keep that as time goes along. You'll always be encouraged as a result. So we see. Our run not as uncertain, but I run with confidence, full assurance. Discipleship is tough. You know, the struggles. You know, uh, and you can't do it, and I can't do it on my own strength. But I can do it in God's strength. The Bible says, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? I need strength. You do too. And I pray that. You need strength. We talked about it last week and everybody raised their hands and said, you know, pray for energy and strength, Jim, because I need it. And I pray for that. I pray you'll be energized by the Spirit of God. I pray that the Spirit of God and the Word of God will rejuvenate you, will be able to get down in your heart and begin to work something so deep within you. God knows if you want to be a disciple. If you want to follow Him. He said, take up your cross daily and follow him. Deny yourself. Deny what I want to do in this life and take up your cross daily and follow me. That's what he said. That's the word of God. And you want something to change your heart when you get into the word of God uh, and you get come to a hard saying in the word, you know, and all. Don't skip over it. Let it do its work in your heart because God will confront you. And he'll give you grace to be able to, and he'll change you as a result of that. Some of those things are to deny myself and, and take up my cross and follow him. What does that mean? What that means is, is God's got your life. God's got your back, so to speak. God's got you. And he knows what's best for you and for me. He knows what, what's best for mankind. And yet, so often we say, I've got to get in here and I've got to work this out. No, if you'll wait upon the Lord, if you'll pray and put it in his hands, let me tell you, it comes out a whole lot better. But you may have to wait. You may have to pray. Because in that process of waiting, he begins to change your heart and he changes my heart. Because we're not like him. We, we, we want our way. That old pride comes back and we got like, I'm just stubborn. And I don't want to do it God's way. And yet God says, come on, Jim, come on back to me. Give it to me. I know you're hurting. I know the pain. I sent my son, Jesus. He walked on this earth. He knows what you are experiencing, what I'm experiencing. And he says, I'm going to see you through it. I'm going to bless your life. 
in spite of who we are. I love you. And I love you with an everlasting love. And then he goes on to say there, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself be, may be disqualified or cast away as another uh, interpretation. The flesh. The flesh is very, very strong. <clears throat> the flesh rears its ugly head. The flesh. You know, you're talking about lust. You're talking about greed. You're talking about wanting to do it your way. Selfishness. All of those things are part of the flesh. Paul said, I've got to be disciplined not to fall into the flesh because the flesh will cry out. The flesh does not want to be crucified every day and does not want to be submitted to the Holy Spirit of God. But every day, you and I, Paul said, if you want to be a disciple, you've got to discipline the flesh. You know, I see over here, and you say, hey, I want this over here because somebody else has that. It's greed, it's lust, and all, and so forth. And you go, I know I can't afford that. You know, that's why this country is in the debt that it's in today is because obviously people have stepped out of that. It's not that God won't bless you. He'll bless you. But a lot of times we walk out of that realm of where God's grace is there for us and we begin to get into all types of trouble. He says, don't let the flesh control you. Let the spirit control you. Go back to the spirit and, and ask him and look to him and look for his strength. He'll help you. He'll do it if we're willing to obviously surrender. Many times a day, you know, I think sometimes the church sometimes may more, look more like the world than the world does, right? You and I are, are to come out. We are, are obviously in the world, but we're not of the world, right? We're not of the world. We're in it. We've got to live through it. So how are we going to do it? The only way you're going to do it is surrender your life to Jesus. Let him be Lord of your life and say, Lord, I want you to disciple me. I want, you, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a learner. It actually, disciple means a learner, a follower of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus, and I want it now. Today may be the day you make that decision. Race is not easy. Who said that it would be easy? I thought once you accepted Christ sometimes, and I thought the older you got, that things would sort of slack off. It doesn't. I'm still tempted just like everybody else. In fact, probably more because the devil knows that I'm preaching the word of God. The devil comes at me and hits me, puts these thoughts in my mind, and I've got to take them captive and cast them out and say, nope, that's not truth. Only allow truth to enter into that battleground, which is your mind. Allow God to speak to you. Get back into the word of God. When he comes in, the Bible says, like a flood, God says he'll raise up a standard against him. But you and I have got to be willing to cooperate. And the only way you're going to cooperate to the fullest and win and go through this life victoriously is by being a follower of Jesus, to being a disciple of Jesus. If that's your desire today, I want to tell you, you've got an opportunity today to surrender your life to Jesus. You've got an opportunity to surrender. And let me tell you the rewards. And I'll close with this Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at the first few verses. Y'all know Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. And I want to tell you, 
it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen? Let me hear an amen from you. It's going to be worth it all. Amen. Right now, we, we're getting through. God says we can get through it if we we'll, we'll lean on him. In uh, Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the men of old obtained a good report. By faith, we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God so that things that are seen were not made out of things which were are visible. And by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain offered. And through this, he was approved as righteous with God testifying concerning his gifts. And he still speaks through his faith, though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken to heaven so that he would not see death. He was not found because God took him away. For before he was taken, he had this commendation that he pleased God. And now the, the key verse. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he comes to God. He who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You've got to believe that God exists. You're a believer here. And that he is a rewarder of those that seek him, diligently seek him. How many of you believe that scripture is true? Raise your hand. <laughs> it's the word, right? <laughs> a rewarder. What does that mean? A reward. You diligently seek him. He will reward you. He will bless you. It may be in a different way than you thought it would be. It may be that not all of your troubles just vanished automatically. Obviously, he can do that. But he will reward you. And our ultimate reward is when you and I stand before Jesus after we died, and he stands, and he smiles, and he looks at us and said, you well done, my good and faithful servant. And you will be placed, actually the Bible indicates that we will have positions according to how faithful we were here on this earth. We'll have positions to serve the Lord. We obviously, you think of it as 24-7. Because of how we responded and we served the Lord here on this earth. So this life on this earth is not a waste of time. It is a time, it's a, it's a, it's, it, we are to serve the Lord. God has given us a measure of faith in Romans it talks about. He's given us a measure of favor, and he's given us a measure of his gifts here. We must use what God has given us. If we do, he'll increase it. If you stand back and say, I'm not going to use that, I'm not going to serve the Lord, I'm not going to discipline, I don't want to be a disciple and so forth, then why does he need to give you any more than what he's already given you if you're not going to use what you got? But if you use what you got, watch him increase it here. Obviously, Remember the story of the manager, a landowner, Matthew 25? He gave some to one person because he had to go out, and he said, you manage this amount. He gave him some, uh, some money, and then he gave a second man some money, and he said, you manage what, uh, you know, the land and so forth when I go away, and then he gave the third man some money. When he came back, the first man, he goes, what would you do with what I gave you? first man said, well... I invested it and I worked it and so forth. And now I've got this amount. I've got a much, much more. He said, well done. Second man, same thing. He said, what'd you do? He said, well, I used what you gave me. He said, well done. And what did the third man do? 
third man took his talents, he took the money, and he hid it away, and he, he buried it. And he said, oh, I, I heard you were a hard man, and I, had to, I, I put it away. I didn't use it. I didn't use it for your glory. I put it away. And remember what he did? He took away what that man had, and he gave it to the other. And there was discipline in that man that didn't use it. Now, obviously, grace is grace, and we love him, and we want to serve him. But if your heart is bent on serving the Lord today, today may be the day you said, I want more to this Christian life than just, obviously, I know I'm saved. I, I believe in Jesus. I've trusted in Jesus. God said he will reward you. Close with this. First Samuel chapter 17. Y'all remember the story of, of David and Goliath? <laughs> remember David? David came up, and um, he was a little guy, but he evidently was handsome. He wasn't a big guy. He was out there tending his smelly sheep. Remember, he was a shepherd. He had killed the bear and the lion with his bare hands. God gave him strength. You remember that, what happened uh, when he came and he heard that this huge guy called Goliath, you know, was defying the armies of Israel. And so David came in and finally, you know, went to his family and his brothers were going to fight against Goliath and so forth. And David uh, came into the camp and said, uh, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? Who is this? Remember? But what caused him to have such confidence? Listen to this. And this is 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we'll look at verse 25. It says, the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. Have you seen Goliath? Have you seen what he looks like? He's huge. And it will be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and will make his father's house exempt from taxes in Israel. Have you seen this guy? He's huge. It's Goliath. We're scared to death of him. And remember Saul said, here, put the armor on. And, and all and David was trying to put the armor on and he, he couldn't hardly walk around. It was so big on him and so forth. He says, get rid of this armor. And what did he take? Can anybody tell me? Five stones. And a slingshot. How about that? This is not just some type of myth or fairy tale. Remember? And he went out and he said, I can't disarm her. You know, he, he, he took that slingshot and he took one stone and hit that dude right in the middle of his head and knocked him down. Killed that dude. Amen? Thank you, Lord. And then he went over. He didn't even have a sword. And he took Goliath's sword and cut his head off. Why did he do it? How did he do it? It's because we talked about last week about courage. But let me tell you, right here, he said this. He heard these words. He said here, and it will be that the man who kills him, Goliath, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and will make his father's house exempt from taxes in Israel. The man who kills Goliath is going to be blessed because he was obedient to God Almighty, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I've been blessed. I have been blessed beyond measure. And I know, obviously, 
are many people around that obviously, and I, I don't negate the, the scripture in Philippians that Paul says, I, I've, I've learned to be content in all situations, whether I've got a lot or whether or not I don't have much. I understand that and great. But there's something about when you diligently seek the Lord that there are rewards for you and for me. Now, I just believe I'm a, cent- I'm a simple old country boy who believes what God said and that settles it. So I want to say today is when you put your life out there to be a disciple for Jesus Christ, and you said it's hard, it's not easy. No, it's not. But when you put your life out to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you get in, obviously, the battle, and you do what God calls you to do, something is going to happen, and something good is going to happen. Amen? I don't know what God will do. I can't. That He's God. But when you serve the Lord and you give your life to the Lord, I'm not saying all problems will be erased. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I believe the word of God, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's the truth. Now, he's blessed me. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. His name is Jesus. We never need to apologize. I know I don't deserve this. We don't deserve anything. We deserve damnation. Don't say that. Hey, God may, that very God may be rewarding you and blessing you, obviously, on this side. Now, we'll be blessed in heaven if you're saved. But he may be blessing you in a way that you never imagined. Believe what the word of God says because it begins by believing what God says. He's got to believe that he exists. And that definitely he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have the favor of God. And when we look, here's the Passion uh, Bible. Psalm 67, I'll read it and we'll close. Be thinking about it. Be thinking about the fact that if you need Jesus in your life right now, today is the day. Today, don't put it off any longer. Maybe you want to come back to him. Maybe, maybe you've strayed and maybe you made a uh, confession of faith, little boy or girl, and you got baptized and, and all, and, and you just say, well, I haven't really accepted Christ in my life, and I want to make that decision today. I'm going to ask you in just a moment. You'll raise your hands. I want to pray for you. In Psalm 67, it says, God, keep us near your grace fountain and bless us. And when you look down on us, may your face beam with joy. Send us out all over the world so that everyone everywhere will discover your ways and know who you are and see your power to save. Let all the nations burst forth with praise. Let everyone everywhere love and enjoy you. Then how glad the nations will be when you are their king. They will sing, they will shout. For you give true justice to the people. Yes, you, Lord, are the shepherd of the nations. No wonder the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you more. The harvest of the earth is here. God, the very God we worship, keeps us satisfied at his banquet of blessings. 
and the blessings keep coming. And then all the ends of the earth will give him the glory he deserves and be in awe of him. i read that last part again. And then the blessings, and, and the blessings kept coming. And all the ends of the earth will give him the honor he deserves and be in awe of him. The blessings keep coming. The blessings. The day may be the day that, you know, you just said, I want to give my heart fully to the Lord. I, I, I've accepted Christ. I've heard the message before and I really have surrendered, but I really want to make him Lord of my life. Today is the day that I want to do that. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. If you want to make him Lord of your life, just raise your hand and just say, I want to be, I want you to be my all in all. I want to know you. And I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you raise your hand, you can raise your hand. If there be anyone here that really says, I, I know that I want to be right in the center of God's will. I want to do what God wants me to do. If that's you, raise your hand today. I want to be at the center of God's will. Raise your hand. God sees you. Thank you. Thank you. You see, there's no other way. I didn't come today to play church. I didn't come today to sort of get up in front of everybody and deliver a message in that way. All that's part of it. I came to worship. I came because I didn't want to leave this place the same as when I came in. God is looking for disciples out there today, people who are willing to risk all for him. Remember the one he asked, I forget which disciple it was, Jesus, and he said, well, let me go home and take care of my family and let me do this and that. And he said, no. He said, come with me now. They can, they're going to be taken care of. But he said, that person who looks back is not worthy. And you and I are at a place where we can't look back. You and I are at a place where either we're going forward or we're going backwards. Which one is it? It's a choice that you and I make. It's a choice in saying, do you want to go forward with Jesus or do you want to look back and say, man, just like the, the Israelites when they came out of Egypt, they said, we, this guy, Moses, we don't, he doesn't know what he's doing. We like the garlic and the leeks and the onions back in Egypt. And they didn't, they were willing to go back in Egypt where they were in slavery. No one who looks back, puts his hand to the plow, and looks back is worthy of calling of Christ. We're in a time, folks, that I'm telling you that we got to get serious about our walk with Jesus. I have, I'm speaking to me, me. And I do this, my hand's pointing back. Because I believe we're in some real, we're going to hit some rough times. I believe there's going to be persecution in the church like we've never seen before. And unless you have a solid relationship with Jesus, unless you're sold out to him, you'll never make it. You'll fall aside. Because the Bible says in the end times that even the elect will fail and fall aside if it hadn't been that, that he held, he stayed their hand. Even those who are certainly were secure, I'm not saying you're insecure. You're secure, secure in Christ. But I'm talking about in your walk with Christ. 
I believe that God's getting ready to pour his spirit out here and he's looking for disciples who are willing to participate with him because this revival that's coming, this awakening is coming, not going to look like what you and I thought it would look like. It's going to be God Almighty showing up in power like we've never known before. It's the only way. How many of you have an aching heart for those that are lost? Your neighbors. They're not in church today. And church doesn't save you. But you have an aching heart for those around you and your people that you work with, and they have no idea who Jesus Christ is. You have an aching heart for that. There's something going on right now in your life in preparation for a bigger thing that God is doing. I believe that with all my heart. We need to be ready. We need to obviously allow God to be Lord of our lives and say, take all this other junk out. It's not satisfying anyway. It's got me in a whole heap of trouble anyway. Never works. When you and I compromise and we try to sort of straddle the fence, it never works because you'll always compromise. You'll always stumble on the wrong side. Go ahead and make it bright and follow Jesus wholeheartedly without any reservations. Today is the day. Let me pray for you. We'll close. Thank you for your attention. Father, we just thank you for this day and your truth is truth. And when I dabble in whatever, the things of the flesh, I realize I always stumble and fall. It never works. I'm never satisfied. In fact, I'm miserable. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Forgive me. I repent. And I give my heart wholeheartedly to you today. People in here today, just give your heart wholeheartedly to the Lord without any reservation. We're family. God just loves us. Remember that. And I ask you, anybody here today who's never made a decision for Christ, today would be today. And say, Jesus, come in my life. I believe you are the Savior of the world. And I want you as my personal Lord and Savior. Not some type of generic God that's out there for everybody. It's Jesus Christ in my life personally to save me. And if you're saying today, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And I surrender my life to you today to be just, just that. Today, today would be that you uh, surrender your heart and say, I want to be a disciple. I'm, I'm serious about this walk with Christ. I'm serious. I don't want to keep dabbling. And I don't want to keep compromising. And I come to you, Jesus, this day. <clears throat> I pray for you, and I pray for each one who's made a decision this day. And nothing will stop what you want to do in this church today in my life, dear Lord. Remove it all that's contrary to your will. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.